Welcome to Team Building Cultures, the podcast designed to deliver tools and tips for improving team communication, collaboration, and fostering a culture where teams thrive. Now, here's your host, Beverly Hathorne, owner of Strategic HR Consultants. Hello, listeners, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Team Building Cultures. I am Beverly Hathorne, your host and owner of Strategic HR Consultants. Today, I'll be speaking with Kendall Lehman. Kendall is an executive leader who continually looks for ways to turn the complexities of business and life into simpler solutions for success. His service in the United States Air Force, for which we thank him, and his years of experience as a professional working in small businesses to Fortune 500 companies is combined with his love for storytelling in his book, The Gooder Life, sounds very nice, where he reveals how certain attitudes and principles will set you apart from the crowd. Today, Kendall's going to talk to us about just that, the gooder life in layman's terms and how to set ourselves apart from the crowd. Kendall, this sounds like a really interesting topic and I'm excited to delve in. So thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you so much for having me. And it, I hope it's an interesting topic. To me, it seems, uh, seems like it is. Um, in today's world, I, I feel like there's a lot of people wanting to know what do I need to do to have an edge. And I believe that if you will follow the the examples, as you said, the attitudes and the principles that are in the gooder life in layman's terms, they're very simple, but I think they're powerful. Okay, awesome. So tell me, how did the gooder life originate? Where'd that come from? How'd that get started? Well, this is a uh, culmination of many lifelong lessons that I've learned throughout my career and and uh, meeting individuals that um came to a point where I just felt like I wanted to get all of this out of my head and, and into print. And I didn't know if anybody would want to read it or not, but at least it would get out of my head, quit bothering me every day. And so I got all of it out on paper and, and uh, worked with a, a great lady whose company is out of McKinney, Texas, to help me get the book published. And we did that a, a couple of years ago. The, the Gooder Life concept started um, I have a large size family on my mom's side, and one of her brothers, my uncle, seems to always host our gatherings at his house, holiday gatherings, birthday gatherings. We always seem to end up there for lunches. And um, one day I walked in and I was a young man, probably in my late 20s, early 30s. And he said, Kendall, how's your day going? And I said, it's OK. And he said, no, there's only two kinds of days, good or gooder. And so from that point on, that was the word gooder that came to me. And I began to share that story with people. And over the years, the concept has grown in my head to where I finally felt like I had it in place to put down on paper. And that's that's what I did with the book. Oh, that is awesome. I already like your uncle. <laughs> so, so I have similar thoughts uh, to your uncle. Um, I uh, typically host all the events for my family, all the holidays. And as a matter of fact, they were just here yesterday for uh, Memorial Day. Oh. And um, I have a concept uh, similar to his gooder gooder. And I believe that in life, you never lose. You either win or you learn. 
So that is something that I try to push forward to the younger folks um, in my uh, in my family and in my surroundings. So I'm right there with your uncle, definitely. <laughs> so tell us what are the attitudes and the principles of the gooder life? We all want to live the gooder life. So tell us how sure. we can do that. Well, I think there's probably lots of attitudes, but I've narrowed this down to three based upon what I saw throughout my career as Growing up through my career, you know, I started off as a computer programmer, um, was not leading a group of people, but I don't think that you have to be in a leadership position to actually lead. I think that you can have influence over others by the example that you lead with your life. And um, so I think I've done that up my entire life, but I would look at the leaders I had who were in leadership positions and leading me and, and other people in my groups. And I would watch what they did and I would record in my mind and a lot of times on paper things that I wanted to do if I ever became a leader of a group of people and things that I didn't want to do. And so that's what kind of narrowed down to the items that I put into the book. And so I call them three essential attitudes, three things that are essential in leadership, even in living life in being a parent in being a good friend. Um, and the first one is being thankful. I think that's the most important one, honestly, of the three. The other two are humble and respectful. Thankful, I have learned, is really an exercise in perspective. There can be things that we're going through in our lives that are pulling us down, that are making us not have a gooder day, are just hard on our families. And what I've learned is that we as human beings we are worriers at heart, and uh, whether we want to be or not, a lot of times our circumstances will pull us to where that's all that's on our mind. And what I learned is that if you start each day by being thankful, maybe writing three things down that you're thankful for, when you go to bed at night, write three things down. It takes our eyes off of us for just those few short moments and forces us to look at outward things that we're thankful for. Maybe it's our family, maybe it's our spouse, maybe it is our job. Um, maybe it's the fact that we've got a roof over our heads. But for those short moments that I'm thinking about being thankful, I'm focused on something else besides myself. I am a huge fan of a man named Andy Andrews who wrote a book called The Noticer. And in that book, he says, after all, the seeds of depression cannot take root in a grateful heart. Now, maybe that's not an absolute, but I do believe when there's thankfulness and gratefulness in your heart each day, it is very, very hard for those seeds to take root. The second attitude is humble, and that's pretty self-explanatory. It's just not being arrogant. I wrote down one time that humble is, is being able to be in a room and not have to say a word and be willing to just listen. You don't feel like you have to be heard all the time. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You can yield that to someone else in the room. I read a quote the other day that said, being humble is, is um, not to be on this earth to see how important we can become, but to see how many lives we can influence. So maybe today, Beverly, you and I are on this show and we're gonna influence somebody's life. And if that's only one life, then it was worth doing the show. That's kind of how it was when I wrote the book. If I could touch one person, it's worth writing the book. And then lastly, respectful is just treating people the way we want to be treated. 
And so if you think about that, if you can incorporate those three things, thankful, humble, and respectful in your lives, and every day have your minds on that, we'd live in a much better world than we live in today if people were all thinking that way. Definitely in alignment with you on that, Kendall. I, I feel that to be thankful for something will remind you that whatever you're dealing with is not maybe so significant that you can't overcome. And I think that when we feel that way and we start to operate in life that way, I think it clears your mind or helps you move towards solutions and um, clarity to help you understand really what it is that maybe you need to do. I guess it, I guess I'm saying if you just kind of clear your mind and push aside the big mountain, then you can see your path. You can see a clearer path. So not only will that change how you feel, but you possibly could change the situation just by being thankful and changing what's in your heart. So I really like that. And I, I think that our listeners will also um, appreciate that statement. So um, did you have a, do you have any life-changing moments other than your uncle's um, highly intelligent information or uh, suggestion or whatever. So other than that, do you have any like life-changing moments that helped you come to the gooder life? I do. Um, I think we all have moments in our lives that are our key times that we reference back. You know, it's in, interesting when we look, when I look back over my life, and I think it's like this for a lot of people too, we kind of mark time of our lives with certain situations that happen. You know, maybe looking back in high school, it was playing sports and, and making a big basketball shot or scoring a touchdown. And, and you remember that. You may not remember all the other games, but you remember that point. Maybe it's when you had, had a, uh, you and your, your spouse had a child, or, or maybe it's when you got married, or maybe it's when you graduated. We have these events that are life-changing events that mark time. Some of those are big, some of those are smaller, and then every now and then some, something comes along that really, really rocks your world. And that's what happened for me. I had a sister who was 27 years old. I was going into the Air Force. My wife and I were married. We didn't have any children. Um, she, uh, she had a, a beautiful baby boy and 10 days, eight, 10 days later passed away from just complications during childbirth. Completely. Uh, we couldn't see it coming. That was a time in my life that was one of those times, and the, the listeners may, may identify with this, and you too. It's that time when you wake up in the morning, and when you go to bed at night, you see the world differently than you did in the morning when you woke up. Life changed that much on you that day. It's those times when it's very, very hard to even think about being thankful. It's very hard to even say, Today is either going to be good or gooder. It's hard to do that when I am struggling to do the smallest things that I need to do each day to just survive. I read a story one time. I'm a big sports person and um, I like basketball and I love college basketball. And I watch the NCAA tournament 
there was a man writing about that, and he was he was um, talking about how in the tournament, teams have to survive the game they're playing and advance to the next round. That's all you have to do. And if you make it through five or six games, you'll win the national championship. And he said, in life, there are days where we simply have to survive and advance to the next day, whatever that takes. You know, Beverly, surviving for someone who's maybe lost a spouse or or lost a brother or sister and um, surviving may simply just be getting up the next day and getting your clothes on and and getting out of the house. That may be it. And that that's that may be a success for that day. And there's those times in life where we have that. But I believe the principles of the gooder life, those essential attitudes of thankful, humble, respectful, if we can push ourselves to do what you just said a while ago, be thankful, to not focus on the forest, but instead back away and look at the trees, to, to be able to put things in perspective and not try to solve the entire problem at once, but to look at it from equation to equation to equation. It does allow us to see that our circumstance, while large in our eyes and very significant to us, we're not the only one going through this. And that's always helped me. When my sister passed away, what helped me was to think that, unfortunately, there are other people going through the same thing, just like I am. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't make me feel better, but it just makes me feel not alone. There's somebody in this with me. I don't know who they are, but somebody's doing this. And I, I think that's what you were saying a while ago, to be able to look at that and see that maybe it's not as big as we thought it was. It's huge. I, I, I admit that. But um, it allows us to push forward. And um, so, yes, I, I had that huge time in my life that changed my life. And I tell people it may sound crazy. But um, I wouldn't trade it for the world because it was through that time where I learned so much. Just like you said earlier, in life, we either win or learn. That was a huge learning point for me. I didn't feel like I was winning for sure, but I was absolutely learning. And I think we all have those times in our lives. I I definitely um, wholeheartedly appreciate your a story and sharing that with us. And I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. I also appreciate your saying that you were at that time, maybe part of a community that you may or may not have been aware, but um, recognizing and, and uh, understanding that there are others who go through uh, such losses is big because that keeps you from feeling alone, that acknowledges other people who may be listening, who have or maybe are now suffering such a loss. I've suffered those types of losses a couple of times. And you're right, for me to just get through the day was big uh, because I spent a lot of the day with pain and with tears rolling while I was doing whatever it was I was doing, while I was at work, just tears is rolling, but I kept working and I kept going and, and that was big to just, you know, to just get through that. So I appreciate you sharing your story and, and I'm sorry for your loss and I appreciate you acknowledging others who may be suffering such a Thank loss. You. 
You know, I, yes. Beverly, um, I think as leaders, as good friends, as spouses, I think there's a lot of times where it's important to show that we are vulnerable and to show that we, we don't have all of the answers. Just because I've got a group of people that I get to supervise and work with each day, a lot of times leaders and supervisors can come across that they're a little bit better than the group and, and that they've got all the answers. I think it's important for authentic leaders to show that they are vulnerable and that things bother them. Um, I'm not a person who's scared to show tears. And I think that we should. Um, when, when you're sad, it's okay to show you're sad. When you're happy, it's okay to show you're happy. And I think that, that the people who follow us will respond to that because we're real. They want real. People want real in life and authentic. And uh, I think that's extremely important. Yeah, that's, that's huge. And I've often said leaders should connect with their teams on uh, an authentic level. I'm, I'm just a person like you. Sure. And some of this stuff, I'm just learning just as you are. And when I was in corporate and leading teams, if someone presented a problem or issue to me that I did not have an immediate, accurate answer for, I would say, let me work on getting that for you, or let's parking lot that and let me, you know, I'll get back to you or I'll work on that. And I've known leaders who would give an answer off the fly just to keep from saying, I don't know, sure. you know, and, and when you say, I don't know to someone who thinks you think you should know, that puts you on the same level playing field with that person. You don't know, and I don't know. So we're the same. So as your leader, I'm going to work on finding out for you, and I'll bring the information to you so that you can move forward. But you're right. A lot of leaders don't connect authentically like that. So um, that brings me to my next question. Um, what are some of the things that you see in business um, that are toxic? And you know, our, our show is about the culture organizations and businesses, um, I, I feel like uh, your culture is the soil in which all things grow. That's kind of like my tagline. So what are some of the things that you see that create toxic cultures? I will say that the most important thing I have seen to build cultures, and I've been able to see this done poorly, and I've seen it done very, very well, is to have a relationship with the people of the organization. Too many times we see people who are called leaders because they sit in the chair of a leader and yet do not have a, a relationship with people that they lead. People will follow them to a point because they kind of have to. If they want to keep their job, they kind of have to follow what the leader says. What you will not get, though, is if you have that type of leader versus a leader who spends time getting to know the people personally, getting to know about their families and, and their children and, and what's going on in their lives. If you take those two examples, the leader that is simply being the leader because they're in the position, you'll, you'll get about 80% from the people, and then after that, they're going to drop off. They're going to be the ones that come in at eight and leave at five to get the paycheck because they do not have any loyalty toward you. 
if you're the leader that gets to know the people and they respect you and they feel that you are authentic, you're going to get those people that say, you know what, I got to spend a little extra time here at work taking care of these things. Why? Because I want to. Because I respect that leader. He didn't ask me to do this, but I just respect him enough to do it. A toxic work environment and a culture can be dismantled extremely quickly from a leader who simply is an authoritarian. That's all they do is just have authority. I have watched it uh, where the, the culture is just torn apart and it goes very fast. I've also watched it where maybe that leader is not the greatest person who knows what the Maybe you're in a production environment. They may not know all of the ins and outs of the production you're going through, and they may tell you that. Maybe they're authentic and 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 say, "Guys, I don't understand everything you're doing. That's why you're here. I need good people around me, but I care about you, and I, I want to take care of you." I just think those people can build a culture and will fertilize that soil that you talked about, so that things can grow. They're, they're creating an environment where the people can themselves grow. They're investing their lives in those people so that those people feel comfortable and free to express themselves in the culture. It's when you get to that point where some people are scared to speak up. They don't know if it's okay for themselves for, the, for them to speak up. That's when culture will die very, very quickly. 100%. It's like you're in my head. <laughs> 100%. You know, I feel, I always say that little tagline that uh, an organization's culture is the soil in which all things grow uh, because the culture is so critical and leaders uh, establish the culture. Leaders create the culture. Employees follow along. If you have a leader who is open and authentic and empathetic, understanding about your team, seeing them as people rather than cogs in the wheel or whatever, and if you communicate that to your team, let them know where and how they fit in, how their jobs or what they do impact the organization and the success of the organization, and make them feel a part of things, then you'll get the benefit of all that that employee has to offer. And many, many, many times, most times, employees have knowledge, creativity, they have innovation, they have thoughts for improving processes, because after all, they're the ones doing the work. So they have, you know, they have all this to offer. But as you said, they will work from eight to five and that's it. I call that doing their eight and hitting the gate. <laughs> you know, that's my, they'll just do their eight and hit the gate. You know, you won't get any of that delving into things to see how they can make it better or, you know, and all that, all that creativity and innovation and ownership of your work passes on to your customers. You know, happy employees deliver service that makes happy customers. So we've got to learn to treat our employees as people and have authentic, to use your word, authentic relationships with them 
where we're building something together. That's where the collaboration comes in. And you do that through your communication. Those are my other two biggies is communication and collaboration. The way you communicate with your team and the way you talk with them, even the way you hold meetings and the way you um, uh, you know, uh, deliver information to them, the way you handle your performance, discipline, your, those discussions, the way you do that. If uh, performance improvement is a requirement and is necessary, and you deliver that performance in such a way that it's negative or, you, you know, it's uh, accusatory or however you deliver that in a, in a negative way, then you're not gonna get the results that you need. The performance discussions are to improve performance. That's something that we do together, the leader and the employee. I'm not gonna just say, you need to do this, 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 and this, and then send you on your way. You know, I'm gonna talk to you about how I can help you do this, this, and this. And then we're going to get you there together. So once uh, leaders start to, um, as you say, once they start to communicate and collaborate and work uh, authentically uh, with their people and be a part, be, be the human part, not just, you know, I'm this shadowy figure over in the corner waiting to pounce on you when you do something wrong. So yeah, I'm totally with you on that. It's like, like you're in my head on that one. <laughs> you know, I am all about the culture. A leader can step in maybe early on in their tenure and, and can kind of fake it. And, and you might get by for a little bit, but people are smart and they will see through that over time. If a leader's heart is truly set on helping their team be the best they absolutely can be, they'll be able to do what they need to do to be a good leader. Because you will enter those, those rooms where you're having a performance review with how can I help you be better? You will enter those meetings with everybody in there. How can I invest in your lives and help you guys be the best you can be today? Everything will be centered around helping people be better. You'll, you'll be that authentic leader. It's like I said a while ago, if you are not threatened by people around you be, be, being smarter than you possibly, if you are willing to be quiet and just listen to your people, um, if you're okay being that humble leader, servant leader, it doesn't mean you're weak. It just means you're confident in what you know you know, and you're willing to let someone else teach you. You know, I, I read a quote the other day, and it was, um, when you talk, it was by the Dalai Lama. It says, when you talk, you're simply repeating what you already know. But when you listen, you may be learning something new. Try to teach that to my grandson. He's six years old. And of course, I use the thing that we've all heard. You've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. And uh, I think that is so huge in a leader's role is listening. You know, we, we, you talked about a while ago communication. I think a lot of times our mind automatically, when we talk about communication, we think about talking. How do I send something out an email? How do I talk to the people? Well, communication is just as much or maybe, maybe more about listening. I actually read a book a few years ago. It's called The Lost Art of Listening. And the main premise of that, that book was being a leader 
is simply, it's not about you. It's about the people. And if you can get past that and think that this is not about me looking big, this is not about building me up. It's simply about the people. Um, mm -hmm. We will actually be that authentic leader we want to be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think your three principles of the good of life, thankful, humble, and respectful, I think those are all very critical in a good leader, especially, well, or at least my favorite, it would be the humble part. I need to respect the fact that my team has a great deal of knowledge and skill. I want to get them to put that on the table. Yes. They may keep that to themselves if I haven't provided a culture where they feel they can talk about that. Okay, Bev created this process. If I tell her there's glitch in it, you know, she's going to blow up. I just do it, you know, I'll just work around it. But if I've created a culture where they can come to me and they and talk to me and let me know, Bev, you know, when we do this, this, and this, it doesn't really work because there's this problem right here in the middle that's preventing a smooth transition or, you know, whatever. So if I've created uh, a, a relationship and a culture and an environment where they can do that, then we're all going to benefit. My employee gets the opportunity to um, exhibit their knowledge and their skill, I get the opportunity to improve my process. And whoever down the line is affected by the process is going to get a better journey if it's the customer or, you know, they're going to get a better experience. So that's a win-win situation. And uh, even more important for us to uh, provide that type of environment. And I also like uh, the quote that you gave us when you talk, you're repeating what you already know. When you listen, you're essentially learning. Um, the, I know, I think you said that's the Dalai Lama, but that's also my grandma. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> who, who would always tell us, you can't learn anything with your mouth open. <laughs> you know, she would, she would always tell us that, you know, you have to be quiet and listen, and then you can talk, but you got to listen first, you know, she, she would always try to, to get us to understand that. So that was her years of wisdom and, you know, living on this earth. So those are all really great things. Um, I, I appreciate your, your three uh, perspectives on uh, the good of life. And I'm just wondering what about spreading the good of life message? How is that working for you? And, and, and how, are you, how are you going about that? Well, part of that's being on a show like with you right here, talking mm -hmm. to your listeners, because I think you and I, as you have mentioned a couple of times here, we have common thoughts. Um, we're similar in our thinking. And so you having these shows is going to help push that message. Me being on the shows is going to help spread the message. Uh, we're, we are, um, we're evangelists for the good or life. Uh, whether you know it or not, you are, because we all talk the same, same language here. Um, I think it's essential in today's world. Um, there's a lot of things changing in our world. We live at the speed of what I like to call Google. We put a search, <laughs> we put something in a search bar and we expect to have millions of results back immediately. We live behind screen names on phones and Twitter and Facebook and things like that. And uh, we can we will say anything to anybody there. Um, we are losing the ability to be face-to-face -face like you and I are right here talking. 
we're, we're virtually talking, but we've got our cameras on and we can see each other. And I think that's important. You know, I read an article one time about, and, and I think I've read this about multiple uh, places, but I was reading about the Federal Reserve in Canada. And they were talking about when new people come to work at the Federal Reserve, one of the big things they need to show them is how to identify counterfeit money. And one of the things that you might think is, well, we're going to show them the bad money so that they'll understand what it looks like. But that's not what they do. They actually take the authentic money and they have them study that authenticity of the money and the different markings on those bills and coins and mainly bills. And, and so when they see something that's a fraud, they can spot it immediately. I think that's what you and I have to do. Um, you have to do your podcast and share the message that we've talked about today. I want to be on podcasts and share that message. I want to go and speak to groups and share that message. Because I think if we don't, we will lose what authenticity looks like. We will become fam so familiar and it will become commonplace for, let's just call it counterfeit leadership. Um, unfortunately, there are a lot of people coming out of the educational system, colleges and stuff that are being taught by academic professors, which there's nothing wrong with that, but maybe none of them have ever actually led a group. Therefore, I think it's important for people like you and I who have been in the professional world for many, many years to share with those young people that will be the leaders of our future what real authentic leadership looks like. I think it's important. We have a message we have to spread and our time is drawing shorter. You and I are, will, will unfortunately continue to get older and we will have these thoughts in our head and we will get to a point to where we won't be able to spread that anymore. We need those people behind us to continue to spread that message after you and I are gone. And so that's my mission. Um, I say young people, you know, that could be anybody younger than me. Um, if I can share one thing with them to help them think about leading a group and being authentic, then I feel like I've succeeded. And so, you know, I, I like to focus on the younger people who are new in, in the work environment and are, are, are going to be those leaders to help them know this is what truly will lead the people. Um, I think people are hungry for that authentic, and we don't see it as much in our world today, and therefore, um, it's important for you and I to spread that message. Wonderful, and I'm so happy that you chose my show <laughs> as one of your avenues to spread that message, and I certainly, uh, you're right, we're, we're in alignment, and I will continue to spread that message as an included part of the culture that I talk about. So sure. I will continue to, you know, move that message on. So for my listeners, tell me, how can we get your book? How can we read all about The Gooder Life? Because okay. now we're sparked. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, good. I'm glad you are. Um, of course, there's a there's a website. It's called thegooderlifegroup.com or thegooderlife.com. They can read a little bit about me. They can go on there and send me messages. Um, you can get the book at any of the outlets, amazon.com, books a million, Barnes and Noble, walmart.com. Um, you can get that. It's a small book. I did that on purpose. It's a quick read. I think you can read it in one sitting. 
it's only about a hundred pages and it's, it's big print. I like big print because mm -hmm. it make, makes it fill up more pages and make me feel better about it. Um, but no, I think it's a, it's an easy read. And um, I, I tell people all the time, I am not a Pulitzer prize winning author. I know I'm not. Um, I like to talk more than I like to write. Um, I can talk my stories much better than I can write them. But what I will tell you is that the content in that book is real and authentic, and it's true today, just like it was true yesterday and will be true tomorrow. If you apply the principles in the gooder life to your life, it can change your life if you allow it to. And I truly believe that. That's wonderful. You're such a, um, I want to say delightful, that doesn't really capture what I'm trying to say, but you're such a delightful person to meet and, and speak with. And I'm sure your book, The Gooder Life, is uplifting and encouraging as you are uplifting and encouraging. And so we want to also give some kudos to your uncle for the word <laughs> gooder. <laughs> I want to give 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 a little shout out to him for for giving us that. So how would how would my listeners connect with you if they want to talk to you or learn more? Yeah, I think um, they can just go to the GooderLife.com website and they can contact me through there. There's a form they can fill out. We can communicate email. We can we can share um, uh, my cell phone number if they want to talk. Um, I've done that before. Um, I've actually had some people reach out to me after reading the book through text and through phone calls, and we've just talked. Uh, sometimes people just need to have a little boost. Sometimes they need somebody to encourage them like you're doing, and I've been able to do that. So yeah, thegooderlife.com, contact me, and, and uh, maybe we'll build a relationship. Wonderful. So folks out there listening, thankful, humble, respectful. Help you get to the gooder life. That's just really wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Kendall. I Thank appreciate you. your time. And I'm sure my listeners have uh, gained a lot from this, from our conversation. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, been great to get to know you. Yes, you as well. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Team Building Cultures. We hope we have delivered helpful and enlightening information to help you create your dream team. Join us next time.